Welcome back to the Love is Real Estate podcast. I am Ari Afshar, here sitting with a legend in our business and uh, somebody who many people look up to. Uh, And we're actually at a very unique setting today. We're sitting at the uh, Greystone Mansion here in lovely Beverly Hills, another sunny day. Crosby, how are you? Uh, Fine, good to be here, Ari. Crosby, I am uh, just reading through the list of the names of some of the incredible architects who you have represented their properties in the past. Uh, some, uh, some of those names are Wallace Neff, Richard Neutra, Rudolf Schindler, Frank Lloyd Wright, John Lautner, uh, Charles Eames, Frank Gehry, Paul Williams. Is there anybody who you have not represented? There's always, uh, even after 45 uh, years of this, uh, a new uh, unknown architect to be discovered. Yeah, and we're, we're hopefully going to be getting to that a little bit later on in this discussion as well. I uh, did want to, before we do all of that, uh, ask you a little bit about yourself, where you were born and where you currently live now. I was born in Pasadena, California and uh, grew up there for most of my life and uh, there was a a great inventory of uh, very interesting and elegant houses where I grew up. Uh, It was over near the Huntington Hotel, if people remember that. I think uh, it's been renamed now, but uh, uh, I was lucky enough to play in the basement of uh, one of the famous green and green houses growing up, and all of those made on me. That's fantastic. And so your home now, I'll take it, is not some, uh, is not anything but a great architectural property, I would imagine. I've been very fortunate that way. Of course, I couldn't start out, but uh, one house at a time, I've moved up pretty much to uh, a dream house for me and my wife and two cats. Uh, It's up in the Hollywood Hills, and it overlooks the Hollywood Reservoir. It uh, was designed by a Pasadena architect, of all things. Uh, His name was Joseph Blick. Unfortunately, most of his records are just uh, in in storage at the Huntington Library. He built many of the mansions on Orange Grove Boulevard, where the Rose Parade is. However, over the years, most of them were all torn down for the elegant apartment buildings you see today. Cool. And I, I noticed that obviously architecture isn't the only thing that you have a passion for. We've connected on a couple of deals now, and I always see you driving up in beautiful, restored, classic cars. Uh, I've seen, I think, a Mercedes, a, a Maserati. You want to tell us a little bit about that collection and, and, and what your passion behind that is and where it comes from? Well, at a very young age, uh, uh, in that neighborhood where I grew up, there uh, at the hotel, there was uh, an event every year, a concourse d'elegance of cars, and uh, people would come and show their classic cars just the way they do here uh, on Rodeo Boulevard. And as a young man, uh, it was astonishing to me. So my passion for cars uh, was formed early, and I think that my thought was, if you why not um, why not drive the classic? So rather than having a new car every year, I maintain a, a stable of 
uh, some fun cars from Fossil Vega to a bidder to Studebaker, Avanti, and Mercedes, and others that uh, allow me to have some in the shop and drive some to my appointments. What's your one favorite? Well, like, if you have to pick one one car, what is that? The go-to, the one that you're going to take your wife out on a date date on tonight. Well, I haven't been able to really uh, drive it lately. The real estate business has been pretty intense, but... I, I thought you were going to say you, you haven't been able to take your wife on a date lately. <laughs> but, okay. The uh, reality is I, I still think probably the Studebaker Avanti, the wow. four-speed supercharged car, uh, is my favorite, uh, even though I think the Fossil Vega is perhaps the most elegant. Wow. I cannot wait to, to get in the car with you and try those out. So you got into the business in 1974. You've clearly been doing this now for, for a little while. Uh, what what turned you on to, to real estate? That's an a interesting question, Ari. Uh, in 1973, I, um, uh, I got my real estate license. always had some interest in the built environment and came out to Hollywood. And I was fortunate enough at the time to have one of my first uh, clients, uh, a gentleman by the name of Eugene Loring. He owned a Richard Neutra house. And um, I was honored to list that. And from there I met a famous architectural photographer, Julia Schulman. We became best friends. And having grown up in Pasadena and seen the incredible prices in Hollywood of houses that I considered fairly von ordinaire, I thought, well, perhaps we should uh, not specialize in neighborhoods, but specialize in architecture. They really should uh, be worth much, much more money than uh, the general market seems to be asking for them. And yeah. That's, yeah, that's a really good point, because I, I know we're going to address that question later on of, of, of how significant architectural properties have an effect on the immediate areas and the property surrounding it. Um, so I'm glad that you brought that up because that definitely is something that I am going to want to talk about. But let me ask you this question because you clearly have a passion for classic cars. You've got a passion for architecture. Had it not been real estate back in 1973-74, what would you be doing today? I mean, was there a moment in your career where you're like, you know what, I'm going to turn left over here instead of, you know, turning right? I went to the University of Colorado, and uh, that was during the 60s. It was a, a pretty efflorescent time, and majored in marketing. And uh, I, I felt like I was being forced into a box. Marketing was basically a uh, very corporate type of uh, uh, endeavor, and Quite frankly, I just didn't fit. It was a square peg in a round hole. However, um, ever since then, I've, I've always felt, and even last uh, week when I went for the memorial for Robert Winter, the man who published the first architectural guidebook over at Occidental College, I've always felt at home on college campuses anywhere around the world. And I suppose an academic career would have been something that I would have been very satisfied with. Professor Doe? <laughs> um, I'm going to call you Professor from now on. Majoring uh, in architectural history. You, you should do that. It's, it's, not, it's not too late. Uh, 
So, you know, I mean, I, when, when you're thinking about like all of the great architects, obviously you are an absolute student and a master of the space. Uh, when I think about, uh, you know, any sport or any industry, you always have kind of like a ranking of the top three to five of the greatest of all time. And of course, it's subjective and it's opinion based. But who is in your top five greatest architects of all time? Can you can you? narrow it down or number it one to five in your opinion? I, I think it's an unfair question because we have you know I think 10,000 years of the built environment I suppose people that, that I kind of uh, was in awe of was Bernini in Italy um, Lutyens in, in London Irving Gill here at home these are just a few but uh, it's hard to, if not impossible, to rank them. It would be like trying to rank uh, Picasso against Rothko. I don't think they deserve ranking. That's a good point. I don't think that that's what the audience is going to want to hear, but but I understand your 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 positioning over there. But I I would want to ask you then, if you have an unlimited budget, you're about to build a home for you. It's going to be your forever home. Who is the one architect that you're putting that home in the hands of? Living today? Living or, or, or in the past? I think that I would choose an underdog. Um, he was a, he worked for Richard Neutra, but he was a disciple of Frank Lloyd Wright. Um, he designed one of my all-time favorite houses, very close to here, known as the English House. And uh, that was Harwell Hamilton Harris, and his uh, uh, masterpiece, the English house, is up on Laga Vista, and currently owned by a wonderful client of mine who carefully restored the, the house with architect Annie Chu. And that's probably going to make people want to look him up and, and get to know his properties a little bit better and I appreciate the fact that you did go for the underdog because obviously there's a lot of household names that I think people really do recognize but just like you and your business with your company I think that there's a lot of great uh, agents who have learned a tremendous amount from you who are also going to carry that message forward so um, and, and you talked about Julius Schulman I mean are there any of the great architects that you've actually come to know and, and become friends with as well well I think the one that I came the best friends with, and I've known quite a few, but was Conrad Buff, and I think we, we especially connected. He was uh, a person who was not only an architect, but an artist. He grew up with the, his father was a painter and took him out into the Southwest and the Indian reservations. At a young age, he worked with the Hopis and, and the Navajos and learned to make Indian silver. He honored me with a a, a ring that he had made, uh, but he he really had a down-to-earth connection. So Conrad was a, a great friend. Uh, his his partner uh, was was a good friend, but we weren't quite as close. And of course, I met Lloyd Wright before he passed away. Uh, I I missed uh, Richard Neutra. I missed Rudolf Schindler, but I did meet Pauline Schindler while she was still living in the famous Schindler House on King's Road. Yeah, I actually uh, read up on that whole story and I, I didn't realize that they, Neutra and Schindler, had lived together in that house at one point in time and kind of going to that point, is there any cool story that you have of overlap 
that the architects had with one another or any bad blood or any influence that you, you know, that was just kind of like a known known thing within that, that, that particular space? Well, the stories are out there about the falling out with Schindler and Neutra over the Lovell Health House um, and their meeting up again in, uh, uh, in the hospital in later life. It's recently been done as a play, I understand, at the Lovell House. Uh, that's probably one of the most interesting stories because it brings together people who were frenemies and hopefully became friends again. Yeah, well, it's always cool to hear the backstories. And, you know, I'm a big music guy, so I just kind of, I can go on forever about, you know, the, the times when John Lennon and Paul McCartney potentially almost met up again and when the Beatles pop, you know, maybe would have gotten back together again. And so obviously this is its own world and a lot of cool history amongst these great architects. Uh, you know, every decade presents a new opportunity of great names to come out. We are dealing with probably the biggest boom in Los Angeles real estate history right now. We've seen some great architecture properties come out recently. If you had to um, put your money on one architect today, a modern architect, uh, where you see a brand new construction, you think, you know what, that is some very, very cool architecture. Is there one name that sticks out to you that you actually feel like is going to stand the test of time? Well, I, you know, there are a lot of new names coming out and a lot of glitz. Unfortunately, I think that because of the constraints in Southern California with all of our code requirements, that it, it, it's put handcuffs on the creativity that people like John Lautner had. But I do see good new work, and, and one of the people I especially admire is an architect by the name of Sultan Pally, sure. who, uh, who's got, uh, I think his company is SPFA. Also, uh, Winston Brock Chappelle had done some. I don't know what's happened to him, but I was impressed with his work and with the environmental aspects of his planting lawns on top of roofs. What's your take on uh, an architect like Paul McLean? A very cool, really modern, very fresh, some great design, right? So what is your take as somebody who has studied and mastered the space on his take on architecture versus some of the previous great architects? I have to be careful here. <laughs> some of them uh, are so far over the top, I, I wouldn't want to talk. Um, I, I couldn't uh, it's, it's your really opinion, right? talk about them. Yeah. Uh, uh, my favorite house, uh, first favorite house when I started this in, in this industry in 1975 was a house called the Dan House, and it was by an architect by uh, J.R. Davidson, who was very close to me, not personally, but his architecture really spoke to me, and that was my first favorite. Well, it, it was torn down uh, for a McLean house that, uh, to me, uh, is so far over the top that uh, maybe it shouldn't have been built. We'll see how it does in the marketplace. But on the other hand, uh, I went up and, and met uh, Mr. McLean at his recent book signing at, at a house up on Blue Jay. And I, th I think that uh, it's, he, he's got a certain program that will uh, appeal to 
certain people in the Hollywood industry because it has everything they need uh, from the theater to the meditation room to the uh, wet bar and the, the wine cellar. But that's what architecture is about, right? It's like art. I mean, it, it's, it's about the, the end buyer. It's what they see and what they feel like they're going to be able to get out of it. And you're trying to speak to that audience, right? And, well, and so... There's a difference. You see, I, I think that, of course, with, with a lot of architecture that's been important, built for the, for the general public by Fickett or Dorman, etc., where there are hundreds of houses that were done programmatically, um, I think that when you get to trying to anticipate a market versus in this case, uh, working for a specific client to fill his individual needs. Uh, we get a little bit over the top in terms of uh, the, the design. Clean lines, yes, fantastic views, very careful orientation to the site. I give Paul all of those. If I want to say personally, I couldn't live with all those marbles, the marble in the house or the, the hard surfaces. I, I was in a, a house by uh, uh, another um, architect that designed similarly, and I couldn't leave the bathroom without squeegeeing down everything, including the sink, before I left. Sure. It was just too perfect. Yeah. So uh, I think that it's uh, uh, an incredible uh, job that he's done in terms of quality and organization of space. And hopefully they'll find a marketplace for the people that uh, want that lifestyle. Well, let's go back to some of the names that you had mentioned before as some of your personal favorites. And let's see, uh, let me ask you this question. If you, if you take those great architects and you look at the surrounding areas and neighborhoods, what do you feel like those properties do for the areas that are surrounding those individual properties? From a value perspective, from a... Uh, prestige from whatever it may be like how how do you feel like it actually has what is the impact what is the total effect on on that neighborhood or that that street or whatever it may be because I can tell you that from a sheer data perspective you can always see that the great architectural properties always command a premium on a price per square foot versus some of the others because it is viewed at as it's like art Right? How, how do you, you know, it, it falls out of that price per square foot. We've spent a lifetime, and that's the reason why I haven't retired right now, is because um, we're, we're working to, uh, to really pluck architecture out of the firm grasp of real estate and into its own market. I think, Ari, you hit the nail on the head. These are uh, pieces like art. And when we, when we think of the value, look at what we just lost with. Uh, the, the partial loss of Notre Dame. Sure. If we compare, say, Frank Lloyd Wright's La Miniatura, which I sold for an almost embarrassingly low price of $4 million, and compare it to, say, one Rothko painting at 20 to $80 million, we see a, a disconnect there. And um, the, the reality is that we have to begin to consider the art values and the aesthetic values of these properties and realize also what they do for you as a human being. You know, Winston Churchill said, uh, we make our buildings and then our buildings make us. Uh, nothing could be more true. 
so quite quite frankly, um, I think in terms of the neighborhoods, they're 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 signposts, they're landmarks. For me, growing up in a in a neighborhood that also had some pretty ordinary houses, they always stood out as something uh, to be admired, uh, to be respected and looked up to. Sure. Uh, just as we're sitting here today at at Greystone, uh, quite a monument and uh, still inspiring after all the years. Yeah, it, it really uh, is a magnificent property and I would love to actually recap at the end of all of this by just giving some, some quick tidbits on it from your perspective if you can. Uh, that last question actually I should mention was from Amanda Watkins on my team. She actually wanted to know your take on, on that. So shout out to Amanda. Uh, and Can I add one more thing? Sure, please. I think it's important to note that nowadays especially we need this marketplace because of the the automatic uh, evaluations that are performed by Realtor.com, Zillow, and all of these uh, Realtor sites that tell people what their homes are worth. Uh, they're, they're completely useless for uh, basically for architecture because each one is so individual and unique. One needs to compare architecture to architecture in order to get an, a value. The one good thing is that they don't know when we sell something like a Frank Lloyd Wright house for a 200% premium that uh, that's a Frank Lloyd Wright house. And therefore, that these sales do help to pull up the value of all of the properties that are surrounding. Sure, and uh, I, I, let me ask you this question. I mean, you've now talked about some great architectural properties that you have represented in the past. Uh, you've talked about, uh, you know, ones that you seem to be very proud of. Is there one single deal that you are most proud of, of all time? Yes. And uh, it was a great honor. Uh, and, and it only happened um, uh, a year or so ago. I, I was called in to uh, visit a house out in the Palisades Riviera. And I had mentioned the name of the architect earlier. J.R. Davidson. So this was a house of his that I'd been following my whole career. And it uh, also happened to be the home of a very famous writer, uh, one of the uh, German exiles, Thomas Mann, and one of the great writers of the 20th century. I was called in to give an estimate of the value of the house, and uh, they were owners were concerned at the time because it was on an acre of land in the Palisades Riviera. It's an old house. They'd lived there for 50 or 60 years. Well, I didn't get the listing, but uh, it was listed by uh, one of the honorable competitors, Joyce Ray, and unfortunately, though, it was listed due to probably to the owner's fears as uh, build your dream house uh, uh, as a teardown. Uh, neither J.R. Davidson nor uh, Thomas Mann were mentioned. Of course, I was pulling my hair out. The one client I had for it saw the house and passed, and I had to buy some time. I figured, we got to do something. I called the Los Angeles Conservancy, and they, they weren't prepared to do anything, and I called the uh, German Embassy and I got a secretary and I said you know this house is threatened it's a very important cultural asset here I wondered if you could maybe put some word in well they didn't 
they didn't really call the city or know what to do, but they called me in, and uh, I gave them a presentation. They said, well, we don't know what we can do. I, I met the assistant to the council general, but uh, they were interested. And uh, oh, a few months went by, I kept seeing what I could do, looking for clients. Uh, what happened was that uh, apparently the Minister of Culture of Germany came to Los Angeles and he heard through the embassy that uh, the house was going to be torn down and went back to Germany. Word got out. And, and this the is the house on San Remo. Uh, the house, word got out uh, basically that uh, the, the house was going to be torn down and it's like through national inquirers and things uh, through Germany, a petition of 5,000 signatures was presented, including two Nobel laureates, and they came back to me. We found a way to make it work and save the house. So that was, uh, I think, uh, uh, my greatest honor. Unreal. That's a that's a pretty pretty impressive story. Uh, I actually walked that house. I, I remember it. Uh, great lot. Uh, great home. Better now. It's been restored. Yeah. Um, kudos to you. That's a, that's a pretty you. big achievement. So, you know, you're look, you're probably, you mentioned you're not retiring yet. No, no. You probably got another 40 years to go. <laughs> but when, when that time does come, how do you want the industry, how do you want, you know, the, the people who you have worked with in the past, how do you want to be remembered best? I want to be remembered as as the uh, kind of at the time the voice in the wilderness that created a marketplace for architecture, and actually uh, proved that uh, you can have careers and and change the real estate industry through market differentiation. Uh, that's that's a great way to be, and that's a great great way to be remembered. And uh, I think that people already view you as that now. So. Um, any anything that you just want to share as a final thought with the audience? Uh, I, I know, you know, maybe you want to talk about Greystone. We're, we're sitting here at this awe-inspiring property. Uh, beautiful day, of course. It, it is Los Angeles. Every day is almost beautiful. I think the I think the thing to convey here is, um, you know, we haven't gotten to know each other as well as I hope we do in the future, but. Um, Together, neither one of us will never forget this day it's because true. of the ambience, where we are, and uh, that's what architecture can do for us. It's so important in our lives, and too many people tend to take it for granted. So I'm happy that we could share this time in uh, <laughs> Beverly Hills Cultural Monument Number no. 4 by the great architect Gordon Kaufman. And to help just give a visual to this audio, Crosby and I are sitting on the ground, uh, in, backed up to a corner over here, which was, I, I, listen, I'm free, I'm happy to do that all day long. This was Crosby's idea in his suit, and I'm in jeans, so I, that just goes to show you that the kind of person who he is. Thank you again, Crosby, for, for this awesome day, for hearing your feedback and for sharing with everybody. Uh, all of the knowledge that you have and and i i know that my friends personally who love the space are going to appreciate uh hearing all of this so thank you again to crosby doe for joining us uh, and if you want to reach crosby you can reach him at crosbydoe.com as always the love is real estate podcast is shared as a part of our into the weekend newsletter where we share upcoming events 
open houses and great restaurants and cafes in and around the LA area. If you are not subscribed, please go to reafshar.com and join our list. We welcome any feedback to help make this podcast more enjoyable. And if you send me any thoughts or comments directly, I will respond to you myself. Thank you again, Crosby, for coming on, and we will connect with you again soon. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.